Chapter Twenty of the Old Curiosity Shop. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by Mill Nicholson. The Old Curiosity Shop by Charles Dickens. Chapter Twenty. Day after day, as he bent his steps homeward, returning from some new effort to procure employment, Kit raised his eyes to the window of the little room he had so much commended to the child and hoped to see some indication of her presence. His own earnest wish, coupled with the assurance he had received from Quilp, filled him with the belief that she would yet arrive to claim the humble shelter he had offered, and from the death of each day's hope, another hope sprung up to live to-morrow. "'I think they must certainly come to-morrow, eh, mother?' said Kit, laying aside his hat with a weary air, and sighing as he spoke. "'They have been gone a week.' They surely couldn't stop away more than a week, could they now?" The mother shook her head, and reminded him how often he had been disappointed already. "'For the matter of that,' said Kit, "'you speak true and sensible enough, as you always do, mother. Still, I do consider that a week is quite long enough for him to be rambling about. Don't you say so?' "'Quite long enough, Kit. Longer than enough.' but they may not come back for all that." Kit was for a moment disposed to be vexed by this contradiction, and not the less so from having anticipated it in his own mind, and knowing how just it was. But the impulse was only momentary, and the vexed look became a kind one before it had crossed the room. "'Then what do you think, mother, has become of them? You don't think they've gone to sea, anyhow?' "'Not gone for sailors, certainly.' returned the mother with a smile. But I can't help thinking that they have gone to some foreign country. I say, cried Kit, with a rueful face, don't talk like that, mother. I'm afraid they have, and that's the truth, she said. It's the talk of all the neighbours, and there are some even that know of their having been seen on board ship, and can tell you the name of the place they've gone to which is more than I can, my dear, for it's a very hard one." "'I don't believe it,' said Kit. "'Not a word of it. A set of idle chatterboxes. How should they know?' "'They may be wrong, of course,' returned the mother. "'I can't tell about that, though I don't think it's at all unlikely that they're in the right. For the talk is that the old gentleman had put by a little money that nobody knew of, not even that ugly little man you talked to me about what's his name, uh, Quilp, and that he and Miss Nell have gone to live abroad, where it can't be taken from them, and they will never be disturbed. That don't seem very far out of the way now, do it?" Kit scratched his head mournfully, in reluctant admission, that it did not, and clambering up to the old nail, took down the cage, and set himself to clean it, and to feed the bird. His thoughts reverting from this occupation to the little old gentleman who had given him the shilling, he suddenly recollected that that was the very day, nay, nearly the very hour, at which the little old gentleman had said he should be at the notary's house again. He no sooner remembered this than he hung up the cage with great precipitation, and hastily explaining the nature of his errand, went off at full speed to the appointed place. It was some two minutes after the time when he reached the spot which was a considerable distance from his home, but by great good luck the little old gentleman had not yet arrived, at least there was no pony chaise to be seen, 
and it was not likely that he had come and gone again in so short a space. Greatly relieved to find that he was not too late, Kit leant against a lamp-post to take breath, and waited the advent of the pony and his charge. Sure enough, before long, the pony came trotting round the corner of the street, looking as obstinate as pony might, and picking his steps as if he were spying about for the cleanest places, and would by no means dirty his feet, or hurry himself inconveniently. Behind the pony sat the little old gentleman, and by the old gentleman's side sat the little old lady, carrying just such a nosegay as she had brought before. The old gentleman, the old lady, the pony and the chaise came up the street in perfect unanimity, until they arrived within some half a dozen doors of the notary's house, when the pony, deceived by a brass plate beneath a tailor's knocker, came to a halt, and maintained by a sturdy silence that that was the house they wanted. "'Now, sir, will you have the goodness to go on? This is not the place,' said the old gentleman. The pony looked with great attention into a fire-plug which was near him, and appeared to be quite absorbed in contemplating it. "'Oh, dear! Such a naughty whisker!' cried the old lady. "'After being so good, too, and coming along so well, I'm quite ashamed of him. I don't know what we are to do with him. I really don't.' The pony, having thoroughly satisfied himself as to the nature and properties of the fire-plug, looked into the air after his old enemies the flies, and as there happened to be one of them tickling his ear at that moment, he shook his head and whisked his tail, after which he appeared full of thought, but quite comfortable and collected. The old gentleman, having exhausted his powers of persuasion, alighted to lead him, whereupon the pony, perhaps because he held this to be a sufficient concession, perhaps because he happened to catch sight of the other brass-plate, or perhaps because he was in a spiteful humour, darted off with the old lady, and stopped at the right house, leaving the old gentleman to come panting on behind. It was then that Kit presented himself at the pony's head, and touched his hat with a smile. "'Why, bless me!' cried the old gentleman. "'The lad is here. My dear, do you see?' "'I said I'll be here, sir,' said Kit, patting Whisker's neck. "'I hope you've had a pleasant ride, sir. He's a very nice little pony.' "'My dear,' said the old gentleman, "'this is an uncommon lad, a good lad, I'm sure.' "'I'm sure he is,' rejoined the old lady, "'a very good lad, and I am sure he is a good son.' Kit acknowledged these expressions of confidence by touching his hat again and blushing very much. The old gentleman then handed the old lady out, and after looking at him with an approving smile, they went into the house talking about him as they went, Kit could not help feeling. Presently Mr. Witherden, smelling very hard at the nosegay, came to the window and looked at him, and after that Mr. Abel came and looked at him, and after that the old gentleman and lady came and looked at him again, and after that they all came and looked at him together, which Kit, feeling very much embarrassed by, made a pretence of not observing. Therefore he patted the pony more and more, and this liberty the pony most handsomely permitted. The faces had not disappeared from the window many moments, when Mr. Chuckster, in his official coat, and with his hat hanging on his head, just as it happened to fall from its peg, appeared upon the pavement, and telling him he was wanted inside, bade him go in, and he would mind the chaise the while. 
In giving him this direction, Mr. Chuckster remarked that he wished that he might be blessed if he could make out whether he, Kit, was precious raw or precious deep, but intimated by a distrustful shake of the head that he inclined to the latter opinion. Kit entered the office in a great tremor, for he was not used to going among strange ladies and gentlemen, and the tin-boxes and bundles of dusty papers had in his eyes an awful and venerable air. Mr. Witherden, too, was a bustling gentleman who talked loud and fast, and all eyes were upon him, and he was very shabby. "'Well, boy,' said Mr. Witherden, "'you came to work out that shilling, not to get another, hey?' "'No, indeed, sir,' replied Kit, taking courage to look up. "'I never thought of such a thing.' "'Father alive?' said the notary. "'Dead, sir.' "'Mother?' "'Yes, sir.' "'Married again, eh?' Kit made answer, not without some indignation, that she was a widow with three children, and that as to her marrying again, if the gentleman knew her, he wouldn't think of such a thing. At this reply Mr. Witherden buried his nose in the flowers again, and whispered behind the nosegay to the old gentleman that he believed the lad was as honest a lad as need be. "'Now,' said Mr. Garland, when they had made some further inquiries of him, "'I am not going to give you anything.' "'Thank you, sir,' Kit replied, and quite seriously, too, for this announcement seemed to free him from the suspicion which the notary had hinted. "'But,' resumed the old gentleman, "'perhaps I may want to know something more about you. So, tell me where you live, and I'll put it down in my pocket-book.' Kit told him, and the old gentleman wrote down the address with his pencil. He had scarcely done so, when there was a great uproar in the street, and the old lady, hurrying to the window, cried that Whisker had run away, upon which Kit darted out to the rescue, and the others followed. It seemed that Mr. Chuckster had been standing with his hands in his pockets, looking carelessly at the pony, and occasionally insulting him, with such admonitions as stand still, be quiet, war, and the like, which by a pony of spirit cannot be borne. Consequently, the pony being deterred by no considerations of duty or obedience, and not having before him the slightest fear of the human eye, had at length started off, and was at that moment rattling down the street. Mr. Chuckster, with his hat off and a pen behind his ear, hanging on in the rear of the chaise, and making futile attempts to draw it the other way, to the unspeakable admiration of all beholders. Even in running away, however, Whisker was perverse, for he had not gone very far when he suddenly stopped and before assistance could be rendered, commenced backing at nearly as quick a pace as he had gone forward. By these means Mr. Chuckster was pushed and hustled to the office again, in a most inglorious manner, and arrived in a state of great exhaustion and discomfiture. The old lady then stepped into her seat, and Mr. Abel, whom they had come to fetch, into his. The old gentleman, after reasoning with the pony on the extreme impropriety of his conduct, and making the best amends in his power to Mr. Chuckster, took his place also, and they drove away, waving a farewell to the notary and his clerk, and more than once turning to nod kindly to Kit, as he watched them from the road. End of chapter 20